Welcome, you're listening to A Pop of Psych, a fun and educational podcast about the interdisciplinary applications of psychology. Hey guys, my name is Julia, and I'm a junior from New Jersey, and I'll be your main host for today. On the 12th episode of A Pop of Psych, I will be discussing about something everyone needs and does, sleep. And being a junior in high school, this is a topic that I'm excited to talk about. The idea of sleep is not completely understood, but that doesn't necessarily mean we don't know anything about it. So everyone has probably heard of the minimum 8 hours of sleep a person needs per night, but not many people actually follow this recommended hour of sleep. I certainly don't, even though I should. If the difference between the amount of sleep we get and the amount of sleep we need increases, it can increase severity of conditions like diabetes, hypertension, and obesity. Also, it can increase aging, which no one really wants. In a study where participants recorded sleeping 4 hours or less for an extended period of time, cognitive test results declined as much as if they had aged 8 years. Not only that, but if you're sleep deprived, your pain tolerance decreases significantly. For instance, just even after one night of insufficient rest, the pain threshold drops about 15%. Also, anxiety increases in those that fail to get enough sleep. We actually did a podcast on anxiety a couple weeks ago, so you should really check that out. On the flip side, when you do get the recommended hours of sleep, you have better cognition and memory. So when you're sleep deprived and you think you're fine, you're really not at your best. So sufficient sleep is necessary to maintain good health and emotional functioning. Sleep deprivation greatly affects one's emotion, and just losing a couple hours of sleep makes one significantly angrier. Sleep-deprived individuals have fewer resources to manage negative emotions, making them more prone to increased reactivity. Therefore, we tend to blame others for our negative emotions, when in reality, we just need more sleep. Not only does lack of sleep make a person more angrier, it makes it harder to consider someone else's perspective. This is due to how loss of sleep impairs regions of the brain that support understanding of another person's intent. So basically, you just lose a little bit of empathy. But when you do actually get enough sleep, it restores activity in the prefrontal regions of the brain, which is critical for emotion regulation. This allows people to be more empathetic and in a way happier. Happier for themselves and those around them who have to deal with their sensitivity that comes with lack of sleep. I know for me, those people would most likely be my family, especially during the pandemic where we're a little more sensitive. Although every person needs sleep, not every person needs it in the same way. For instance, some people naturally function better at night and some people function better in the morning. We all have an internal clock and have our own natural rhythms. But with practice, people who function better at night can become morning birds. And people who function better in the morning can become night owls. Our circadian rhythms are based on light, darkness, and the release of melatonin, which is a sleep hormone. These can be manipulated to change our circadian rhythms as well. Also, there are many misconceptions about sleep. For example, Falling asleep as soon as your head hits the pillow does not prove that you're a good sleeper. In fact, it just most likely means that you're sleep deprived. 
On average, it should take about 10 to 20 minutes for a person to drift off into sleep. It may take a little more than that, but it honestly depends on your own body and your how you function. In the next segment, I'll be discussing about the different stages of sleep, dreams, and naps. The first thing we'll be discussing in this segment are naps. The advantages and disadvantages of naps depends on how you decide to take them. For example, paranaps are proven to be extremely beneficial and effective. However, taking naps for long periods of time can affect your sleep schedule and may be worse overall. Going back to paranaps, many companies like Ben & Jerry's and Google have seen the advantages of paranaps and they're allowing more employees to retreat to private spaces to rest on the job. The companies have seen that workers are more productive, make fewer mistakes, think of more innovative ideas, and get more work done when they're rested. A good power nap lasts about 15 to 20 minutes and is most beneficial when taken after lunch but before 3 p.m. In this short time of rest, it is enough to restore attention and reaction time. Some people might question why power naps are so short. But power naps need to be short because since it is short, it does not allow for sleep inertia, which is a groggy feeling you get when you wake up after a long period of REM sleep. A proper power nap can almost immediately reduce sleepiness and improve cognitive performance, and its benefits are sustained for up to three hours. Not only that, but it has stress-releasing and immune effects. Before I talked about REM, what exactly is REM? REM stands for rapid eye movement, and there are three stages of sleep that include both non-REM and REM. These five stages make one sleep cycle, which usually repeats every 90 minutes. The first stage falls under the category of non-REM sleep, and it marks the transition from wakefulness to sleep. This stage typically lasts less than 10 minutes and is marked by a slowing of your heartbeat, breathing, and eye movements, as well as the relaxation of your muscles. Stage 2 also falls under the category of non-REM sleep. It is a period of light sleep before you enter deeper sleep, and it lasts roughly 20 minutes. Stage 2 is characterized by the further slowing of both heartbeat and breathing, and the brain begins to produce bursts of rapid rhythmic brainwave activity, known as sleep spindles. Formally known as stages 3 and 4, stage 3 is the final stage of non-REM sleep. This is the deepest period of sleep and lasts 20 to 40 minutes. Your heartbeat and breathing slow to their lowest levels, and your muscles are so relaxed that it might be hard to wake you up. The last stage is REM. REM sleep occurs 90 minutes after sleep onset, and is a much deeper sleep than any of the stages of non-REM sleep. REM sleep is defined by rapid eye movements and an almost complete paralysis of the body, and a tendency to dream. Like I've discussed in the first segment, sleep significantly affects emotions. And during REM sleep, neurotransmitters involved in emotional responses, such as noradrenaline and dopamine, are completely absent. This helps to restore a neurochemical balance that supports emotional control the next day. Sufficient REM sleep is essential to keep emotions in check, but it tends to suffer the most from early wake-up times since the longest stage of REM occurs close to the morning. It is recommended to wake up without an alarm to allow yourself to linger in REM. Throughout the night, your body cycles through these stages four to five times. Cycles earlier in the night tend to have more non-REM sleep, 
while later cycles have a higher proportion of REM. By the final cycle, your body may even skip non-REM entirely. Now that we discuss the stages of sleep, we are going to move on to dreams. The meaning of dreams and why we dream is still relatively unknown. But there are theories that suggest that we may dream to consolidate memories, prepare for possible future threats, reflect unconscious mental function in a psychiatric way, or help further develop cognitive capabilities. There is a misconception that many people think that dreams exist so you can try to interpret them to make yourself be a better person, like you've seen in those movies or TV shows. Instead, it's believed that dreams, or REM state, mediates memory consolidation and mood regulation. It's like overnight therapy. Over a lifetime, you may dream for five or six full years, but also many people aren't able to remember their dreams clearly. Sometimes you may not know if you actually dreamed or not. And a method that might help you recall your dreams better is to simply tell yourself, I want to remember my dreams tonight before you go to sleep. This may be effective for some people. Another method you can use is when you wake up, linger in your grogginess, and resume the last position you were sleeping in and do nothing for a time. The more you try to remember, the more you forget. So try to stay still for a while and try to let it come back to you instead of trying to catch it yourself. In the next segment, I'll be joined by another host. In this segment, we are joined by one of our hosts of this podcast, Stacy. Hello. So Stacy, how do you think you function with an adequate amount of sleep? Hmm. Well, I really don't function with inadequate sleep. Um, I feel like it's harder to concentrate when I don't get enough sleep. Um, it's harder to stay awake in some of my classes. Um, I think overall, sleep is really important to especially teenagers and like because we're developing, obviously, and our body needs to repair itself. Um, and that's something really important, like during these these years specifically. But yeah, to answer your question, how do I function? Um, with inadequate sleep, I don't function. <laughs> I think I agree with you because I naturally fumble on my words a lot. But without sleep, it's harder to understand what people are saying and for me to form words out of my mouth in a clear and coherent way, which is really hard today because I didn't get much sleep last night. So it's happening to me right now. I feel like you never get enough sleep, Julia. <laughs> <laughs> I do, but during school weeks... That's when I, like, don't follow the recommended eight hours of sleep. I usually get around, like, five to six hours of sleep. And during the weekend, I cram all my sleep there. How does that work for you? Like, cramming all of your sleep into two days as opposed to spreading it out um, over the, the whole week? Well, I would like to spread it out over the whole week. But for school reasons and stuff, it just never plans out that way. And it's not really much of a choice, but I think it's okay for now. But on Fridays, I get so tired and exhausted mentally and physically. And I do think it does take a toll on my health. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't know about you, but I took a lot of naps in my freshman and sophomore year. And they were really bad for me and my sleep schedule. Has that ever happened to you? Yeah, I think... Um, freshman year, I used to have a habit of 
sleeping as soon as I got home and then waking up at like seven o'clock and then doing my work. And then I feel like I just wouldn't like feel the need to sleep until like 2 a.m. So like my sleep schedule would be so messed up if I took a nap. Um, but I did it anyways. I think it's really interesting um, to take a power nap, but before taking a power nap, having caffeine. Because I don't know if I read this somewhere, but like if you drink coffee before a nap, you wake up feeling caffeinated. Have you ever heard of that? Well, I never heard of it. But honestly, I'm not a big fan of coffee, so I have no idea. Mm. I don't know how you feel about that, because I always get judged when I say I don't like coffee. That's true. The coffee is the only thing I can run on on the days that I don't get enough sleep. Mm. <laughs> but I think power naps are definitely effective, I would say. Um, because even if you still have like a burst of energy when you wake up from that power nap, yeah. And even if you get like a less amount of sleep the day before, because you had that nap, you're feeling rejuvenated by the time you start your work. Yeah, for sure. I think the hardest part is keeping that 10 to 15 time limit because sometimes you just want to sleep a little more. But once you get out of that, you get more focused. Yeah, that's true. I, is it sleep inertia? Yeah, it's called sleep inertia. It's like where you feel like kind of groggy after waking up. So we talked about caffeine. But have you ever taken like a melatonin pill or like supplement before? <gasps> no, that actually sounds really interesting. What, what is it exactly? So basically melatonin is a sleep hormone made from the brain, but they do sell melatonin pills or like supplements that help you release the hormones and sleep better. Then is it something like even like people with insomnia might take? Or is it like a general health supplement? that allows someone to sleep better. Yeah, actually it is common for people with insomnia to take it, but it also helps people who want to fix their internal clock. So I've taken a couple melatonin pills before. I think I took like three in my life and I've taken them all like this year because due to the pandemic, my sleep schedule was very bad and I had a hard time falling asleep. So I used them and they, they did work, but I don't really use it frequently. I don't really ha feel the need to. Would you would you say you had a overall like a positive experience with these pills? Yeah, they they do work, but it just takes a bit of time for them to kick in actually. Mm. Yeah, but um I know that nowadays they're selling that inhaling melatonin devices. Inhaling melatonin? Mhm. Mm so I saw on TikTok there are like melatonin inhaling devices and there are also like caffeine and vitamin ones too. But I think the melatonin ones are the most popular. And I think that they said that it has immediate effects. Whereas the melatonin pills takes like 20 to 30 minutes to actually take effect. Oh, really? That's, that's so cool. I mean, it would be nice to just fall asleep. Like, without, like, worry for once. Mm-hmm. And moving on to our next question. Do you ever remember your dreams? And if you do, do you remember them clearly? Mm. No. And that's so sad. Because when I wake up, I think I remember it. 
And then like, it's like a fading memory. And then like 10 minutes later, it's gone forever, which is very sad now that I think of it. But I have people, I have heard people starting dream journals where they write down their dreams before they can forget them. Mm -hmm. Do you? Do you forget your dream? Um, For me, sometimes I remember them clearly. And sometimes it's just like you said, um, when the dream is really good or strange, I try to remember it. But the more I try to remember, the more I seem to forget. Sometimes I do remember it clearly. But my dreams are so boring. Like people have these fun, exciting dreams. But mine are like what happens in everyday life. Like sometimes I go to school in my dreams. Oh my like, god. Like sometimes when I'm really stressed out, I go to school and work in my dream. And then when I have those dreams, I feel even more tired. <laughs> I actually, I think, oh my gosh, I'm just remembering this dream. I said that I forget my dreams, but this dream was so vivid. But I was sitting in the chemistry, in our our um, chemistry classroom, and I was taking the chemistry test. And I, I remember thinking, like, this is a dream. Why am I dreaming this? My dreams are even torturing us. Thank you, Stacey, for joining me today. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Julia. This is a very educational episode. I think we all need a little bit more sleep in our lives. Yeah. Some advice to sleep better is to make sure your bedroom is cool and dark. This helps you reset your inner clock and get back on your sleeping schedule. This is due to the fact that circadian rhythms are affected by light and darkness, and you can use that to your advantage. Darkness signals your body to release melatonin and kickstarts this physiological process that promotes sleep, like lowering body temperature. Exposure to natural daytime light, especially early morning light, signals the body to release melatonin earlier in the evening. This makes it slightly easier to manipulate your inner clock. However, in order to maintain this reset and change, it requires commitment. You must stick to your new schedule and continue to expose yourself to bright natural morning light. However, these factors are easy to manipulate because you can mimic natural light with a light box. A second tip is to use your bed for only sleep and bed-related things. Try to avoid caffeine from mid-afternoon on. Not only that, but you should try to avoid all screens for at least an hour before turning into sleep. Screens have a melatonin-inhibiting blue light, which delays sleep latency by an average of 10 minutes. The lights from the screens can go through your eyelids, so your brain still processes that you're being exposed to light. This may lead to fragmented sleep. In order to prevent this and still look at screens, many people have started using blue light glasses. However, the most beneficial way is to prevent yourself from looking at a screen an hour before bed. It is important to remember that a bad night for a few days is normal, even though it's not completely comfortable. Sometimes overthinking can keep you awake. So another tip is to write down your thoughts or try to distract yourself with a book or something else, just not with something with a screen. Most common sleep difficulties are affected by factors like illness or stress, but there are some external fixes that can help. For instance, you can manage your sleep environment. You can do this by getting a good mattress. 
Older mattresses break down and cannot provide adequate support anymore, which often results in restless and inadequate sleep. Not only that, but they accumulate a tremendous amount of allergens over the years, which can further disrupt sleep. According to a study, you should replace your mattress every seven years. Another thing you can use are weighted blankets. This is very recommended to people with restless leg syndrome. It also provides comforting pressure, which helps individuals settle down to sleep more easily and sleep longer. Another thing you can use is a sleep tracking bracelet, which records when you fall asleep and when you wake up. It also can detect interrupted sleep. One of the main benefits is that it can help reassure people who believe they are hardly getting any sleep, which is a phenomenon known as a paradoxical insomnia. For people who think they are not getting sleep at all, it can lessen their anxiety and hopefully set them on a path to get more rest. These are all the tips I have to get a better night's rest. I hope they were useful. In this episode, I discuss some concepts of sleep, stages of sleep, the dream state, and some advice to sleep better. Through this episode, I want to highlight the importance of sleep and encourage you guys to get enough sleep. And as usual, please feel free to send in audio messages or requests through our anchor link. Also, you can check out the script and resources on our website. And if you guys have any questions, comments, or concerns, please feel free to visit our website, apopofpsych.wixsite.com, that is linked in the description. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll be back with another informative and engaging episode within the next two weeks.